there's certainly an education opportunity ahead of us here to let people understand that there is actually another option that healthcare doesn't need to be restricted to just helping when things are broken or when you're sick that there's an, a more active form of of health that can actually improve quality of life and you know, lay the foundation to not have as many of those issues in the future What's the future of health? Join doctors Jessica Shepard, Gotham Gulati, and myself, Jordan Schlain, as we embark on a conversational journey with prominent speakers, experts, and innovators from the stages of the annual health conference. The goal is to explore the ideas that put humanity at the front and center of our evolving healthcare system. After all, health is about people, isn't it? Hi, I'm Dr. G. On today's episode, we bring you Dougal Bain, the CEO and co-founder of Life Force, where we discuss the future of longevity and disease prevention. Dougal Bain is an Australian-born technology and healthcare executive who has held leadership positions in finance, management consulting, and healthcare technology across three continents. And so with that, let's begin the conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Health Matters Podcast. I'm joined again with my co-host, Dr. Jessica Shepard. And we have an incredible guest today, Dougal Bain from LifeForce. So welcome to the show, Dougal. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Good to see you both. So maybe a good place to start, just so they hear it in your words and not mine, is tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into LifeForce. Sure. So I've spent most of my career in healthcare technology at this point, but primarily on the traditional healthcare side of, of the industry. Really, the theme that excites me is using technology to open up access to better quality care. So all the companies that I've worked with and helped to build have been doing that in one way or another. But about three years ago, I went through an interesting health experience of my own where I had my first daughter and you know, went through a period that I think a lot of young parents go through, putting on a lot of weight, having very low energy, just generally having poor health habits. And I, I got to the end of that you know, first six months and felt like for the first time in my life, I wasn't showing up as I wanted to and I, and I could feel that my health was a big, big contributor to that. And I also now had these questions around, am I on the right track to live a long time? And it, it really became a more important question now that I had a, a little family to look after as well. So I, I went out and tried to get the answers to those questions around, you know, why, why don't I feel as good as I should? Why am I having trouble with energy? Why am I having trouble with mental clarity? Why can't I shift my body composition? And also, how do I get the confidence that I'm on the right trajectory for the long term? And it was a, a really tough experience as a consumer to get those answers. It was, it was a lot of awkward conversations with my primary care doctor who you know, unfortunately didn't have the time or the in- incentives to engage in that. It was conversations with you know, hormone clinics that wanted to sling me testosterone with barely understanding my last name. And then you know, concierge clinics that wanted to, to look after me, but at a very high price point that wasn't realistic. So all of that together, although it was frustrating as a consumer, as an entrepreneur, it was very exciting to see the opportunity to, to bring all of those things together and create a proactive care solution that's available to more people to hopefully improve quality of life and length of life. Even though that's your story, that's, I mean, that's, I'm sure resonates with, with tons of people. A lot of including people's myself. story. Inclu- as he was saying, and I was like, hey, wait a minute. Right. I think I've had those questions as well from maybe a little bit of a different category being a female to actually have had the baby there's a lot of body changes that go on but also the mental emotional part of that ties into that so i can definitely relate to the questions that come after having a baby is 
yeah, I have this little one to take care of, but how do I ensure that for me as the provider can live a long life, but not, and we were talking about this a lot, is not so much that I can live to a certain age, but am I living to mm -hmm. a certain age well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's really interesting when we speak to our members. Often there's some sort of event that's happened in their lives that has created this new motivation to sort of get out of the passenger seat and into the driver's seat around their health. And, you know, that might be starting a family. It might be a parent passing away or running into a health issue. It might be, you know, some milestone like a, like a 40th birthday or, or whatever it is. But, you know, we really think of ourselves as building the platform for people between 30 and 60 who, who are health motivated, but not necessarily, you know, as healthy as they could be. And when we have those conversations, the thing we find is the more we can uncover that deeper purpose for why is someone deciding to do this, then it gives us a really good anchor to build a program that, that folks will then stick to and, and drive better behavior change. Some of the places that I struggle in with a provider who sees patients is they actually ask the questions, you know, when they come in about their health, but they haven't quite made the connection that it's actually their health that's perpetuating the complaints that they're coming in with. So it sounds as if maybe, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the people that are interacting with Life Force already have some inclination that it is a health feature. Is there a way to reach people who haven't quite connected the dots that the questions that they're asking are actually answered by something that they can do with their health? Because that's where I struggle. Yeah, it's a really good question because I think you're right that there's, there's certainly an education opportunity ahead of us here to let people understand that there is actually another option that healthcare doesn't need to be restricted to just helping when things are broken or when you're sick, that there's an, a more active form of, of health that can actually improve quality of life and you know, lay the foundation to not have as many of those issues in the future. But most people just haven't, haven't sort of grown up understanding that that sort of care exists for them. So there's an, there's an educational opportunity there. But the thing that we found works really well is to understand, to sort of almost honor what is the, the real life symptom if you like that someone's experiencing and use that as as the wedge to go in and have a broader conversation around how to get healthier overall so the top three reasons why people come to us energy mental clarity and body composition as well and when we hear that and we can have a conversation and help people understand that yes this is a real thing there are actual biomarkers we can measure that will affect mental clarity there's actually steps you can take i think that makes people feel very empowered about doing something versus just sort of, unfortunately in previous generations, probably having to just shrug your shoulders and put that down to just getting older. Whereas in reality, you know, there are options now and our, our goal is really to make those options better understood and better available. Part of the frustration with our system is also the fact that there's a disconnect between what our needs are and what our system can actually deliver. Practitioners are not trained for preventative medicine. Right. No. We're, we're, we're trained to treat disease and diagnose disease. And I've so, said we're great at like if your arm is hanging off or your head's maybe blown off. We are great. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are really trained for acute mm -hmm. catastrophes, but the wellness realm is lacking. Let's explore the educational component a little bit since we're sort of in that space. Like how do we how do we move the needle in both educating not just the consumers and the patients out there, but also our healthcare system? and get them on board because this can't just be a one-off operation that Life Force does or other equivalent companies do. This has to be a systemic thing. Have you guys thought about that? Yeah, we, we have. And, and I think there's a, 
really interesting trend playing out on the provider side that, that sort of mirrors what's happening on the consumer side with a lot of doctors, a lot of clinicians, as you said, wanting to practice more of this sort of medicine, but feeling sort of hamstrung by the incentives and the amount of training provided in the traditional system. So we've seen a 5x increase in the number of primary care doctors and family medicine doctors signing up for additional certification in integrated medicine or functional medicine or some of these secondary disciplines that you know we really look for when we're recruiting people so just like there's more consumers moving in this direction i think there's more providers that are trying to seek this out as well so that's you know somewhat encouraging but but there's still just structural realities around until this form of medicine is is really clearly aligned with the incentives of how you get paid as a provider then it will be the doctors that are the most determined, the most progressive, who, who kind of find a way into this practice. What I'm hoping and, and what we But they still wouldn't be trained on it yet, right? I mean, that's just- No, but I to... think that's sort of it all kind of, in my opinion, I think it all waterfalls down, downhill, that once the incentives are aligned, then the education becomes more formalized at medical school and you start to see this more as core versus things that you can do in addition if you're particularly passionate about this space. So, you know, we hope companies like us and, and others in the space can actually bring the data and bring the, the track record to demonstrate the ROI of proactive health in a way that then leads to an acceleration of, of payment for these sorts of programs. And then that's the thing that really will unlock a big shift mainstream into how clinicians are trained in this discipline. For people who are listening, can you kind of walk them through, like, this is life force, this is how we accomplish what we do, and this is what people will go through as far as any training or testing or optimization what does that look like for someone who's listening they're like i want to join life force <laughs> yeah for sure so so the first step would be to visit mylifeforce.com so we fully telehealth and at-home care driven you would sign up for the membership there and the first thing we do is send a phlebotomist out to your house or to your work you know how much it, is a membership so it's 349 um, onboarding fee and then 129 a month so that's pretty reasonable compared to, yeah. Yeah. So that covers all the testing, the doctors, the health coaches, oh, the wow. phlebotomists. That's all. all and no insurance. The no insurance at the moment, but we are working on some trials of reimbursement. HSA, so. FSA, things covered through that? HSA and FSA, yes, we can, we can cover that. So you sign up for membership. We send a phlebotomist out to your house to do a full blood draw. We're looking at 45 biomarkers that, that sort of span the spectrum from quality of life to, to longevity to you know, general health risk factors. And then in parallel, you fill out a pretty comprehensive onboarding survey around how you're feeling, what's your lifestyle, what are your goals, what's your family health history. And then a medical doctor on our team is looking at all of that together and putting together a recommended program. And the program will cover the you know the fundamentals on the lifestyle side nutrition movement sleep stress as well as anything on the nutraceutical or pharmaceutical therapy side customized to your specific results and what you've told us around what's important you'll jump on a telehealth consult so usually they're 30 minute consults and go through all of those results ask any questions you have and then get started on the program and you have a health coach from life force who's your, your main right-hand person on the journey, particularly around the lifestyle changes. And then in three months' time, we'll repeat the testing cycle. So we'll send a phlebotomist back out to your house, take another draw, and then we can actually show you on that next telehealth consult what's working and what's not. And so it really sort of brings this concept of personalized healthcare to life because we can, we can see in those retesting cadences how my body's responding differently to yours, Jessica, and use that to tweak the program, tweak the dosages, talk to you about what's working and what's not on the lifestyle side and continually get you into a more, a more optimal zone over, over several quarters. Now, for people who <laughs> maybe don't necessarily see those results in three months, what are the best ways to motivate those people? So, for example, you know, in my practice, I do a lot of functional longevity 
medicine. And I think behavior modification is one of the hardest things to explain, implement, and for people to really dig deep into what's going to be that motivation for me to want to do these small changes over time. How do you deal with when those outcomes aren't as as good as you would expect, or even from the patient perspective, it's not what they were looking for either? Yeah, a couple of things. I mentioned the the power of connecting this to some deeper purpose for people. So for sure, we definitely try and you know, unearth what that is for the individual and keep keep reinforcing that to them. The other thing I think is important, though, is really good expectation setting up front, where we explain to people, look, some of these things that have come back in the results are quick wins. We can fix this within three months. That's no problem. It's straightforward. Others are more complex and are going to take some time. And I think being very open and honest with people around this could take nine months or 12 months or, or longer, but along the way, you'll be getting some other wins that will be helping with the things you care about. I think that's a good conversation that you can have you know, more spaciously and more honestly with people that helps. And then I think the other thing that really helps is is that concept of quick wins. So when our doctors are working with our members, we're always trying to focus on just one or two priorities in any three-month period. So the simplification and the focus on there's just two things you need to work on with us for this next three months, and then we'll reset in another three months and, and either keep pushing on those same goals or bring in some new goals if we fix them. I think the simplification is, is helpful and making sure that when we're choosing those goals, we are thinking about those quick wins as well as those more complex problems. That's, so that, uh, that's beautiful, actually. That was yeah. a beautiful way to put it. I'm going to steal that and use that for my patients. So with a limited number of evidential oversight in this space, there's a lot of companies, a lot of people out there, influencers and things like that, that are throwing out false promises. And I'm curious, when I look at the space of longevity, I sort of divide it up into three categories, hype, hope, and reality, right? There are things that we know today that actually do work. There are things that we're hopeful that are showing signs that they will work and there are things that are just pure hype. And I'm curious in the scope of things that you offer, recommend, study as, as part of life force, what, what falls into all three of those categories for you? Yeah, I really love that framework. I would say that we are really focused on reality and hope and not hype. So, so it, when we think about where do we want to be on this, this spectrum, that's, that's where we think the big opportunity is and you know, what's responsible for us. And so we, we talk about each of the things on the platform runs through our advisory, our clinical advisory board with, with that lens on it. You know, is, the, is there enough evidence there? Is the risk return something that we're comfortable with? And when it's not, we don't bring it onto the platform because it's our belief, and this is, comes up in our conversation with members, that the people who come to us are out in this space, like you said, receiving a ton of information. And it's very hard as, as a regular person to sort hype from hope from reality. And what they're looking for is a partner that can do that translation, that filtering for them. So part of the value that we try and create for members is, is don't you worry about analyzing what's snake oil and what's not. You know, this is how we think about what's appropriate for the platform. And if that's, if that's what you're comfortable with, then you can trust that when we bring it into the platform, we've, we've done the diligence for you. So you don't have to be going out and sort that out yourself. So, you know, good examples would be on the pharmaceutical side. So, you know, we have a few different pharmaceuticals, including a couple of peptides. The peptide space is really interesting because talk about, you know, a, a space where there's hype, hope and reality all over the place. That's that's a good place to start. And so there's, there's, there's some peptides that we'll look at and we'll just don't think the evidence is there or we don't think the safety profile is there, so we won't carry it. There's others where we feel more comfortable with it and we will bring it onto the platform, but we'll do it in the context of an ongoing relationship with a doctor and a health coach and a broader conversation around what are your goals versus if you just want to go and score a peptide, 
from a website on the internet, there's plenty of other places you can go to do that. That's, that's not really the value we're trying to, to deliver to people. What do you think the struggle is that I've seen recently with the type of longevity medicine that we know truly does work when we think of optimization and organizational heads such as FDA who don't always see it that way and so not always lending a hand to giving us the tools or allowing the tools that we use to really help people? It's frustrating for sure. It's, it's frustrating and frustrating for our members. It's frustrating for us as a, as a company and something that I hope changes. You know, a great example, we recently did a, a data pool across all of our diagnostics. We've run 25,000 diagnostics at this point. And what we saw is a quarter of our members when they come to us are pre-diabetic. So not a huge surprise, although you do think that this population probably identifies themselves as more health motivated and yet a quarter of them are pre-diabetic. And we know that within three years, a third of that group will become diabetic. And what we hear time and time again is when we have this conversation with those people, they've had no idea that they were trending in that direction. The conversation they've been having with, you know, with their PCP or, or whatever they were doing to look after their health outside of us was just focused on you're not at, at the A1C where you would be defined as diabetic so everything's fine we'll see you in a few years and then one day people walk in and suddenly they're told they're diabetic and in reality that trend happened 10, 15, 20 years earlier and it's something that could be moderated if they were put in choice around how they want to address that so it's frustrating for sure but I do think the conversation is changing I am optimistic that we're headed in the, in the right direction it's just a matter of whether it's you know, a five-year conversation or whether it's a 15-year conversation. I'm curious about tangible stuff that people can walk away with who are listening here. And we all know some of the obvious stuff, get better sleep, right? I mean, there, there's nuances between all eat, sleep, exercise, etc. What are some non-obvious things, top three things that you would say that are non-obvious to extend a health span? Right, great question. So and maybe we should dive into a little bit between the nuances of health span and life span for those who are listening that may not know that. But Yeah, so, so maybe it, just to click up for a second, you know, the way we think about what is the form of proactive care that, that we're trying to deliver, and I think, it's a, I think it's a decent framework for anyone thinking about this question of, am I healthy and what does that even mean? And How do you define that? Yeah, so we define it in, in three pillars. The first is, do I have the quality of life to do the things I love to do? The second is, do I understand my risk of dying prematurely from the top five killers? And the third is, am I in control of how quickly I'm aging at the cellular level? Which is the, the most sort of novel and hope space, to use your framework from before. But those three pillars are what we're trying to, to work on. How do, you, how do you measure age? Are you using like DNA methylation? Are you using some other technique to yes, biological age? Biological age, yeah. So we, we'll be pulling a biological age score into the platform soon. Through DNA methylation or some other methylation? DNA, DNA methylation, yeah. So... Having said that, though, I, I, I do think this conversation around health span and, and really how to live a good life for as long as you can comes back to a lot of the fundamentals. And we definitely see this phenomenon of people coming in and they've heard about something on the Internet or they've, they've kind of been hooked by a particular supplement. And and when we actually get the results back and have the conversation, there's, there's fundamental stuff that needs to be addressed that hasn't. And so it's this balance between sort of honoring the thing they're interested in, but also trying to steer the conversation to, OK, there's another thing that's happening that's much more important than whether or not this particular supplement ingredient is is going to potentially increase or decrease your speed of cellular aging. So it's it's a little bit like, you know, people wanting to paint the shutters on the house and the kitchen's on fire. And so, you know, I think it starts with just measuring some core things. So for me personally, I think ApoB as as a key biomarker, and, and that's one that's starting to become more mainstream, but, you know, most people do not understand what their ApoB is. And so when you're talking about longevity, meaning 
let's make sure you don't die early. That's such a key piece of the puzzle to understand heart attack risk. HSCRP would be another one. So it's another biomarker that's rarely included on physicals. That's a really important part of the story around inflammation, risk of heart attack and stroke. And then hormone balance would be the third. So particularly for this stage of life, 30 to 60, we see that when people come to us, 80% of our members have a hormone imbalance of some sort across the, you know, the major hormones. And often that is sort of an underlying cause of different symptomatic elements of what they're struggling with 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 quality of life so i think are, are, are those addressed by medication or you address it by lifestyle changes as a result of the hormones both both and and that's and that's also a, a opportunity to have a conversation with someone around how do they want to address it a member so and that's where we get into the lifestyle side of things as well we we want to talk to people around the, here are the lifestyle interventions that we think may help this is sort of the size of the effect you could you could expect from these lifestyle interventions. And then there's other interventions on the pharmacological side if you want to go in that direction as well. It's your body. It's your choice. We're here to support you and provide you with the expertise. How would you like to, to go about that? And everyone's very different in that conversation. So those three things, I think, HSCRP, APOB, and, and hormone balance, if I was to... You know, give someone a sticky note and say, here's a good starting point to just understand where you're at. That's what, what I would say. Do you see that there is a shift in mindset for most of your members as, from the time that they start into seeing what they can accomplish and then it kind of mounting into kind of this driving force where it's not even much of the life force team propelling them it's it's the internal drive which is what you know from a, a physician standpoint or even any healthcare provider would want our patients to be is that self-motivation have you guys ever tracked that or trended that like in some type of metric or survey as far as like motivation levels and their true understanding of what's going on on a cellular level because that I mean most patients they pay attention to the external right or I know I'm not doing well because externally I can see it but we, they miss so much on the cellular level that when they get that information, I think that's the harder sell, right? Because they don't, they don't see it. And so sometimes they're like, that's not happening. For example, when you're talking about pre-diabetics, I talk to my patients all the time about we're in this stage. I don't want you to get diabetes, but here are the things we have to do in order to decrease that risk. Now, if I were to say a percentage of how many people truly take on that challenge of doing the things that are necessary with lifestyle modification, I wouldn't say it's the majority. And then you, again, you have these people walking back into the office three years later with now an overt diagnosis of diabetes. Yeah. It depends on the individual. And, and what we found is you know, qualitatively, particularly from the health coaching side of Life Force and speaking to the health coaching team, there are certainly some people where the education itself is, is sort of the unlock and the thing that breeds more motivation because I think there are some people, maybe I put myself in this bucket, who when you understand the mechanics and you can almost imagine what's happening inside your body, it, it takes it from being a, a sort of a mystical phenomenon and it's like, okay, I can fix this. I can sort of have a mental model of what's happening inside my body and, and that creates motivation. For other people, I think it's just success breeds success as well. And, it, and it's a sense of folks have probably tried and failed in several different directions around taking control of their health. And come in with I, I think a lack of real belief that it's possible and that they can be successful and so that's where coming back to the concept of quick wins and really showing people that you are now empowered to do this and be successful because you have the right support around you when that works then then that can shift someone's mindset for sure from you know being a bit more passive that this is a thing that I I have to endure to know I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to get after this and then I think for another group relationship is 
very important as well. And this ongoing relationship with the medical doctor and the health coach as well. I, I just think there's a there's a certain psychographic profile of, of people who really love that human connection. And because we're seeing folks every three months with the doctor and then you know more frequently from that in between, just that sense that someone's in it with me and I'm not I'm not lonely on this journey can also totally change the game for folks getting better results. Well, I mean, people fundamentally, I mean, people don't want to put in the work to get better, right? I mean, people want to be cared for in healthcare. They don't want to care for themselves for the most part. And so what worries me about some of that is we end up running into what I call the Fitbit challenge. The people utilizing the devices are the ones who don't necessarily need it in the first place. It's how do we get the unmotivated population, the population that truly needs the service into getting services like Life Force that can have a big impact. And I think, I mean, it's all an experiment. We're going to find out. We'll figure out how to get there. Yeah, we, we will. And, and I, I think there's definitely, there's an interesting psychological trait that has, has come out as we've spoken to members. We call it living with intent, where for the most part, the folks who are coming to us, you know, have, have plans, have goals, know where they want to be in the future. They're not apathetic around how they want the, the rest of their life to go. That doesn't mean that's always applied to health, though. You know, they, it, it might be living with intent as an, an excellent parent or as a business leader or as a community leader or whatever it may be. But there's that, there's that sort of restlessness there that they've applied in some aspect of their life. And now we sort of have to cultivate that and apply it to healthcare. And you're right, it's an experiment. You know, we, we have big ambitions to take this, you know, much, much further than we have at the moment and start addressing much more of the population. I think, you know, part of that is learning from this group on what works and what doesn't. Part of it's also continuing to lower the price point and find different ways to make this available to more people. One of the key areas that I look at and always ask for, for some of my customers and slash patients is what are the friction points that are in their lives? And how do you remove that? Because if you can do that and embed passively default healthy behaviors inside their environment, you tend to get out better results. But that it's a little work on their part. Um, I think that's a really great point because I actually think that there are a lot of people, many more, many more than we realize, who are health motivated, but the motivation is outweighed by the friction. And so the more we can reduce the friction, then we'll, we will actually see people who, if, if given that choice of something that's easier and more convenient and more affordable, would, would do more to take, take care of themselves. But you know, I know as an N of one, as a consumer, going back to the, the story we talked about at the start, that even as someone very health motivated, working in the industry, I nearly threw up my hands and gave up on this as well when I was going out to try and find some way to be proactive about my health. So I think that's the... That's the equation for us is, is keep the friction coming down. And I think we unlock more people who, who have some motivation, but you know, maybe it's sort of dormant because they've had so many high friction experiences with healthcare. With the health data that we have in traditional medicine, a lot of it is able to diagnose and give people an understanding if they're in the disease state or not, which there's fault with that. But how through life force do you think there could be this growth into the medical community of providing actionable items for good outcomes. For example, almost as if you were to train through Life Force healthcare providers. Is, is there a drive to try and do that? Not necessarily so that they become a Life Force employee, but just the tenants of how you're utilizing the information and help that you're giving your patients. Because I think that's a great start, because if you think of just traditional medicine, people are all, I have, I have to go to my doctor, right? So if we change the narrative of what's going on in the exam rooms, just slightly, right? I mean, it's like six touches of information before someone's like, oh, I think I'm, I am going to commit to that or do that or buy that. 
And I think that that would be an amazing way to drive people more towards the experts who actually are focal with how we're going to optimize your life instead of the people who are really dealing with really chronically ill patients and don't have the bandwidth to do that. Is that something that you could foresee in the future for Life Force? So, so us sort of participating in in helping on the educational and training side for practitioners, for practitioners yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we've actually had a couple of interesting conversations with some of the large functional medicine certification bodies around that sort of thing, and it, it's something we absolutely would love to support. You know, our hope is that in you know short number of years there would be more board certifications across the country that are specifically focused on this sort of proactive care and, and longevity medicine so anything we can do to accelerate that anything we can do to to sort of take the real life empirical evidence of what it's like to deliver these programs at scale and feed those back into how to build great education around it would, would be something we'd love to be involved in yeah i think that's so necessary and needed because the information there is a very high trust level with a patient and their doctor. And so the information that they're getting is a lot of data points, but not necessarily the actions to, I always say that we're good at hashtags. We're good at stress less, eat better, (laughs) exercise more, but there's no follow through, right? Because we don't have the time and nor do we have the expertise in what specifically needs to be done for that patient. And it's hard work. People want quick fixes. Yeah. 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 So I've been, as we're winding down here, I've been holding in that I want to play a little game with you. We'll call it, (laughs) we'll go back to the notion of hype, hope, and reality. Okay. I'm going to throw out certain things and you categorize it based on where you think. And you can allow you to give some context if you want to on certain things because not everything is black and white. Okay, and just to define hope for a second. So I think of hope as some potential needs further validation and research. Exactly. You need some more more evidence, need some more research, showing good signs, you know, directionally in the right right place. Okay. Stem cells. Hope. Okay. How would you split that? Just to give a little context on that. What parts are maybe not hopeful? There's medical context. I know it works pretty well, but in the, in the world of longevity, that's, where that's people what are seeking out. The, is, yeah. In the, in the medical context, I think, I think that, you know, the case is fairly well substantiated that there's some value there for sure. I think sort of more indiscriminate stem cell transplants to fix different injuries or fix your shoulder or things like that. I think it seems like it works very effectively for some people and does absolutely nothing for other people. And so I don't really know, know what to make of that, but that's why I would, I would certainly you know, put it in, in the hope category, knowing there's a medical context that works. There's some other contexts that seem to be hit and miss. So that's where it stays. A reality. Yeah, reality. So, so we offer metformin on, on the platform. You know, we think for someone who's pre-diabetic or, or someone who's also interested in general longevity, it's, it's well studied. It's, it's effective. You know, it's a reasonable price point. So that one's reality. Okay, infrared saunas. And maybe we can categorize infrared plunge pools. Yeah. I mean, as a category. I'm going to say hope. I'm going to say hope for that category. And, and I, I would just I'd put sort of that contrast therapy of hot and cold. I, I, think, I think it's hope. I also think that there's... Maybe that's the better way to contrast therapy. Contrast therapy. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think that there's, there's certainly a, at least a psychosomatic benefit from it. It creates a state change. It, it seems to help people with stress and relaxation. And, 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 and I do think in general we need to... We need to take those quality of life data sets seriously. I also think there's a reason why other cultures have been using contrast therapy for, for millennia. So, you know, I think there's a signal even in that around this, this being a recurring part of, of health and wellness outside the Western world. So I'll put that in, in hope. All right, good. Well, I'll let you off the hook there. We, I, there's probably, there's plenty more. 
But I, 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 the reason I ask it that way is because I'm sure you're getting people that come into the office saying, oh, I'm, I've been told that this is going to you know, change everything. And, and I'm going to sit here and everyone's doing the plunge pool and so forth. And you're like, yeah, you can do it, but you're not sure if you're going to get the outcomes. Like these are the common questions that we're getting from the patients, right? In terms yeah. of lifestyle. And I think on that, unless it's deep in hype, put it that way. I think trying not to shut people down on that is important, you know, because I think the fact that people are out and curious and asking is a good sign. So you've got to sort of use that momentum and pivot it into like, okay, great. This is our point of view, the life force's point of view on this particular intervention. And by the way, we've got these other things we want to talk about with you. And and, and by the way, there's these other things we need to be doing for the future. So, you know, it's really more cracks the door open for a conversation. And as much as possible, we don't want to try and you know, make people feel shut down or silly if they get excited about something. Let's let's dig into it. Let's see if it's real and take it from there. All right. So here's my personal question. Do you do cold plunge? I do. Yeah. Daily? No, not daily. I probably do that two, maybe three times a week. Two, three times a week. And yeah. how long do you stay in? Three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes. What's your There's a diminishing rate? return beyond six minutes, right? In fact, I think yeah. it can be detrimental. <laughs> right, the recommended, I think it's at 20, 20 slash four. 20 minutes hot, four minutes cold, three times a week is the general consensus, right. roughly. And and the, the, I think the scientific thinking around that is that it releases the sirtuins in your body for DNA repair mechanisms on a microstressor level, right? So it's almost like putting muscle memory to repair proteins in your body. At least that's the initial thinking. Yeah, and, and that's a good example. For, for me, the psychological benefit is in the reality category. Just for me as, a, as, a, as an individual, I yeah. find that when I do that, I do feel more awake. I usually have one less coffee that day. I, I feel more energized. So that is the thing that I personally experience. And then the other cellular benefits that you're talking about, I think that's in the hope category that there's more work to be done to see if that plays out. And, and that equation works for me in my decision making. I'm saying, okay, maybe I get a benefit on the, on the longevity front. I know I get a benefit on the psychosomatic front. So that's good enough for me to have it in my routine. Which goes back to the definition of health. To some degree, it's do you feel good too? I mean, right, you could, you could right. have cancer and still feel healthy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the psychological component is definitely important. So All right. My is, last question. What's your workout routine? So I have. For those who can't see, I mean, yeah. this is an audio podcast. This is why I'm I mean, asking Dougal this. is like, he opened up talking about struggle with weight and all sorts of health issues. But this guy looks like the perfect picture of health. I almost walked out. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this podcast. <laughs> well, I, uh, I have two small girls. I've got a six month old and a three and a half year old. So the workout is sort of take it where you can get it at the moment. But usually that's 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the garage. Uh, I've got a good setup that I got into when COVID shut everything down. So usually I'll sneak out there and do some free weights three or four times a week and then some zone two and then some VO2 max on, on the other days. Try and just move for at least an hour every day. And then I'll usually intermittent fast in the morning as well. So I'll usually do a 16-8 intermittent fast. Yep. On a daily basis? Great. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where life first goes. And I love to have to check it out myself. It. Yeah, me too. Thanks so fun. much. Thanks Thank for you for your time. Yeah. Thanks, real. Thanks for listening. If you're still there, I'm hoping it's because you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. We will be releasing new episodes regularly. And to stay on top of the hottest topics, simply subscribe to Health Matters. That's H-L-T-H Matters on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. See you next time.